express your truth from a loving place. And if you do that as a habit, as your default, you are more likely to you know, have a much, much better experience all around. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Gravity Podcast. Today's episode is actually a speaking engagement that I had recently with the Conscious Capitalism Organization, the national organization, which I was quite honored to have a chance to share my story with that group. I believe really that conscious capitalism is the way forward, that we have to not just be creating consciously, but we need to be recycling capital, good quality conscious capital back into the market, into young entrepreneurs. And that's what that organization is really doing. There's a lot of incredible people who have created John Mackey from Whole Foods and many others that have created conscious organizations who have done incredibly well financially and are reinvesting that capital consciously into the next generation, into new founders, into new ideas that are aimed at really doing things right, doing things in a way that has meaning, and that has impact and purpose, and that can be filled with joy and warmth and love and all that is right in the world. And um, I'm just a huge fan of their organization. Uh, there is a local Columbus chapter if you're interested in getting uh, involved here in the Columbus community and pretty much every city around the country now, conscious capitalism has. Um, content and the opportunities to engage, to meet other like-minded people, to learn, to grow, and to try to be a part of the change we all want to see in the world. So hope you enjoy it. And uh, thanks again. All right. With people starting to roll in, I want to get started with today's webinar and begin by saying thank you to everyone for joining us from across the country and the world. I'm Alexander McCobin, the CEO here at Conscious Capitalism, Inc., and want to thank you for taking the time to learn and grow in community with us today. I'm excited to be joined by Brett Kaufman to explore reimagining and building purposeful, thriving communities. But before we get into a conversation with Brett, I want to talk about Conscious Capitalism in this webinar. As many of you know, Conscious capitalism is a philosophy that emphasizes the human nature of capitalism in business. It's a movement of business leaders around the world working to improve the practice and perception of capitalism to elevate humanity. And Conscious Capitalism, Inc. is a nonprofit organization dedicated to catalyzing that movement. Brett, thank you for taking the time to join us and share your insights with the Conscious Capitalism community today. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, really uh, an honor to be here. I'm um, a big fan of the organization, and it's uh, wonderful to hear your opening remarks about the mission. Uh, there's a lot of shared belief and passion, so it's great to be here with you today. So there's a lot that I want to cover, Brett, but let's. I want to start by just asking, from my introduction, is there anything that I missed? Any of your other businesses that you really want to highlight or anything in particular that you're really proud of that you want to share with the community about the work that you're doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that we can kind of touch on all of the various aspects um, that are 
um, my work today. And the work has really expanded. So there are some things that weren't mentioned. Um, but um, really, the aim has always been since I shouldn't say always, since I've kind of really focused my life on uh, impact and creating consciously, that the aim has always been how do we improve the lives of other human beings? How do we improve the lives and the, and the um, experience of what it means to be a human being in this world, you know, in this on this planet and in, in, in the cities and communities and neighborhoods that we're working on. So everything we do is through that lens. Um, and that has expanded into venture capital. It's expanded into, like you said, a bunch of startups, um, you know, coaching, the podcasting, certainly gravity um, as a, as a brand, as a, as a community, um, both physically and virtually is a huge part of that. And I'm happy to talk about it. Um, there's a, a concept inner space, which is focused on on how we design spaces and experiences for mental health services. So there's there's a lot of things that have kind of come out of this um, belief and and mission vision for how to optimize the human experience. That already is inspiring, Brett. And and I want to actually back up a little bit because. I know that your personal story from childhood through to where you are now has really informed the, that philosophy and the way that you approach business. So I, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to start by just sharing your personal story and your journey that's led to, to that way of thinking about business and your purpose. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. You know, th- This is a big part of um, how I coach others and really what I believe to be true. Um, maybe for everybody. I believe that our life experience is really a part of a divine perfection. Um, call it what you want, what you believe in. I call it God. Some people call it the universe. I've called it different things at different times. But I believe that there is a intelligence, a perfection to how our lives work. And that really everything is there to serve us. My life uh, has certainly been that way, which is why I have that belief so deeply held. Um, I grew up in a uh, household um, from ages zero to 10 where my father was uh, an alcoholic, an addict, um, was abusive, um, and uh, life was quite chaotic. Um, My mother um, really did an incredible job of finding a way for us to get out of that life, to start fresh, and to build a new home and a new environment for me. But that kind of early stage chaos and um, trauma really shaped me. It shaped me down a path of trying to find myself um, in in ways that oftentimes were unhealthy, that uh, were repeating behaviors that I had seen role modeled in my life. And, um, you know, through uh, a lot of support, uh, through the help of of many, including family members, including through the help of uh, therapy, coaches, um, all kinds of self-help modalities. As I went, um, you know, through that journey of life, I was able to arrive at a place that started to be very focused on healing, on um, awakening, and and healing, and 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 that's really um, how I've um, been able to learn 
to create from a healthy place, which is really what I'm probably most passionate about today is how do we um, work with entrepreneurs uh, and, and not just entrepreneurs, sometimes it's athletes, sometimes it's just friends and family, but how do we work together to see what's running and why? What happened along the way and what are we unconscious to? And how do we become aware, conscious of it, and then start to decide who are we and what do we want to create from that place of authenticity and alignment? And I'm happy to go back and fill in blanks. I'm kind of giving you a very uh, abbreviated version of what happened and how I've used that to um, serve my work. Uh, but, um, you know, it, I'll give you one example in, in, um, high school, I discovered the high school art room. Um, and that was really out of being a bit, you know, off my, I was searching, I should say. I was searching, I was um, experimenting, I was doing drugs and drinking and partying and things that led me to people that I wasn't, you know, kind of conditioned for. I was conditioned to be a man, to be an athlete, to be popular, to fit in, to look good. Look good was a big part of my conditioning. And I found people through those kind of, you know, misguided teenage, you know, rebellion phases that were artists. They were creatives. And there was something about that that really connected to me that felt like that's really more who I am. And it wasn't until later in life that I actually recalled that feeling and those people and that experience and saw myself as a creative and um, started to again then create from that place. Um, and at first with with uh, architecture being the form, real estate developing the form. But now I see creativity as everything, as creating your thoughts, your life, your physical product. I also paint, so creating physical art. Um, anyway, I'll I'll pause there because I could go on, but that's just an example of one of the many things that I have been able to pull from my life along the way to align with my essence and create from that place. Thank you for sharing all of that, Brett. And, and especially the, your perspective on this human experience that we all have. And when we were preparing for this conversation a little bit ago, you also shared with me your thoughts on what it means to be on this this journey as human beings it, that that I'm wondering if you're willing to expand on a little bit that that also informs the way that you look at business. Yeah, I mean I I have you know maybe in this group um you know some beliefs that will be shared and and at times can maybe sound a little woo woo but um you know I I just believe that we are all connected uh, that we were all really one, that we come from one source of energy, that we're born into this world that um, is pure and beautiful and loving. And um, that's really who we all are. And we're connected um, in that way. And that even if you kind of um, make it a little less woo-woo and more kind of grounded in you know today's everyday life, um, there's just so much commonality uh, that's underneath the surface. It's often not talked about. It's often not shared. It's often not seen. But we are all having a experience that includes the same emotions, 
that includes the same fears, that includes the same struggles, the same desire, the same wants. Um, you know, and, and yeah, sure, there's nuance and there's differences um, amongst us. But at the end of the day, I just believe that we're a lot more similar than we oftentimes know and um, share. And that if you can kind of put aside, you know, and, and I kind of refer to conditioning because I think that's really a big part of this. But if you can put aside um, maybe societal um, norms or um, parental pressures or whatever it is, stories, attachments, and just get to the human connection, you'll find that there's just a lot more shared desire to support one another, to move through life together, to be able to connect uh, to other human beings. So speaking of conditioning, I, I don't think your professional life started with this philosophy and this approach that you, you started with a different kind of conditioning when you went into work to begin with. Can you talk about that and the transition you made from there? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I spoke a little bit about, you know, my conditioning, my childhood. You know, my father was this, you know, really strong, be a man, go into business, you know, make money, um, make sure that the Kaufman name is really uh, reputable. And, um, and what reputable meant was, you know, be successful, make money, um, look good, and be tough and strong. And um, I uh, was trying really hard through my adolescent years to break that mold. Um, like I said, you know, acting out in all kinds of you know ways, um, but uh, ultimately did not have the confidence, the courage to really honor what I thought um, might really be my uh, true, authentic path. Um, I studied in in, in college. Um, psychology and architecture. I studied in high school. Like I said, I found the art room. Think, these were the things that were actually um, truly feeling like there was some connection. There was something alive in that work for me authentically. But I did not have the courage to really break that conditioning. In the back of my mind, I always had my dad's voice about being successful, looking good, making money. So um, I did what I thought I really was supposed to do. Um, when I graduated from college, I didn't follow any of those passions that I had um, found along the way. I went into business working at a bank. I took a kind of entry-level job in commercial banking. And I hustled and worked my way um, through the banking world um, into an investment banking role and started to kind of go down a path that, you know, really was one I was quite miserable with. I um, didn't like it at all, but I thought that's what I needed to do. I was uh, married at a young age. I started having a family at a young age. And I just believed that that was what you did. You worked and that um, passions and hobbies were reserved for vacations and weekends and retirement. And everyone around me, that's what they were doing. There wasn't a lot of passion in the banking world. It was about making money, being successful, and doing the things you loved some other time. And, uh, and, and that's you know the path that I went on for a while. And I'm very fortunate that I did go on that path because what I learned was 
so much about what I did not want to do. Um, I really had to be immersed in an experience that was so out of alignment for me to understand that I couldn't do it. It was that it was it was just I was too unhappy to live this way. So I I used that to really break into something that felt more aligned um, for me. That you know did end up being real estate development. I was banking some real estate developers and got exposed to what it meant to kind of kick the dirt and be creative. Um, so I pivoted and, and left the banking world, went to work for a real estate developer. And they were a production housing company. Uh, a great, another great, great opportunity to learn. But um, I was really not happy um, working for somebody else, even though I was uh, eventually the president of that company. Um, I really wanted to be able to create something that I thought was me, that was coming out of me, that wasn't some other kind of like cut and paste, pull it off the shelf and reproduce just for the sake of producing housing and making money. I, I needed something more than that. I knew that it was coming out of me. And that's you know really ultimately what led me to creating Kaufman Development. But without those experiences, I wouldn't have learned the fundamentals of what it meant to um, be working with bankers, which we do every day, what it meant to um, build strong, fundamentally strong housing, to manage it, to construct it, to develop it. I wouldn't have known what it was like to work in those kind of organizations. I really believe, for me at least, that I needed to know what I didn't want to be able to create what I wanted. So um, all of those steps, again, kind of coming back to that you know, divine perfection, served me perfectly well. Even though they were hard, I might not repeat them. If I were to start over, there's a more direct path. But there was nothing really wrong, broken about the experience when I look back on it and um, you know see how it served me today. So that's a really deep point that I want to emphasize and, and verify that you're saying that you might look back on that time in your early professional career and think that was a bad use of your time or you were on the wrong path or that was somehow negative. But you're emphasizing that even though it's not what you ultimately wanted to commit yourself to, that you learned a great deal from it and that it was still part of your path and a positive that has helped lead you to where you are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just think that, again, that you know, creation piece, we have the opportunity to decide how it is that we are going to view and create our experience. Um, you know, I will not take away from the fact that, you know, living in a house with addiction and abuse and having to, you know, get move at a young age and find new friends and find myself, all, all of that. And even, you know, as an adult therapy, learning to unpack all of this, it's hard work. You know, being in a job that you're unhappy with, that is not a pleasant experience. So it's not like, you know, I look back on all of it and say, oh, it was, you know, perfect and easy and, and beautiful. It's that it was just my path. And that path I have tremendous gratitude for. And I see how it served me. And that is a choice. That is how I have chosen to be with what is. And I just think it's much more empowering. And, um, and truthfully, I, I mean, sincerely, I can tell you, you know, with all of my belief that it really was 
an incredible opportunity to learn and use for the life that I wanted. And I, and I also believe that's true for all of us, that you can really, really take those experiences and use them as incredible learning tools to empower you to go forward. That's amazing, Brett. And, and I want to use that to transition to talk about some of the work that you're doing right now. And we could pick any number of your companies, Gravity, Rove, Interspace, Greenhouse. But choose one or a handful of them. I'm curious if you can share how you're applying that to the work that you're doing today in one or some of those businesses. Yeah, I mean, Gravity, and I'll include the podcast in that. What we're trying to do with Gravity is create a community that allows for people to have more access to the things that they're passionate about, to the things that they love, to being able to connect with other people that can support them, that can support each other along the journey, that can allow them to live a healthy physical life that allows them to tap into their creative expression to um, allow them to make a difference and impact in the community. We say gravity is about well-being, impact, and creative expression. So these are the things that I was seeking in my own life that I was trying and oftentimes flying to California or other parts of the country or world to find help, support, like-minded people, spaces, environments to be able to feel more alive, more connected, and more fully expressed. And that's what we're trying to create with the physical space. It's also part of what we do with the podcast, where we're trying to get other people to share this human journey that, again, I think we're all on and normalize the things that oftentimes maybe we internalize and feel like are you know, specific to us hearing that shared experience on the podcast. You know, you had mentioned Interspace, Greenhouse, Rove. These are all various kind of elements of that. Rove is aimed at really giving ownership to all renters or any non-accredited investor, much like a a Robin Hood for real estate. And uh, Interspace is really aimed at creating beautiful environments that take all of the business stuff away from mental health professionals, allow them just to come in, feel supported, practice and give um, or some real kind of honor, um, removing stigma from what it means to you know get mental health therapy services. Um, you know greenhouse is is a bit of a, a unique real estate project solely focused on nature. Uh, wellness and transformation. We have a kind of tiny habits transformational program that all of our residents can engage in and truly try to improve their physical and mental health. Um, so again, it all comes back to this through line of how do we use our lives? You know, all of those things. I mean, greenhouse is an example. I've gotten more into the biohacking world, into the health and wellness world, into the transformational world. Um, learning all the modalities. And I just want to share that with people. I want to bring it to people um, in places like the Midwest where we don't have, you know, organic food and, you know, acupuncturists and all the, you know, float tanks and, and all of that, you know, on every corner, we're trying to create, you know, a real hub for that here uh, in the Midwest. So I want to get to some of the questions that we have from the audience. And if anyone has any more questions, please type them in the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. We're going to transition in a moment. But the last question I want to ask you, Brett, is 
If you were to give one piece of advice to other conscious capitalists, to other business leaders, whether they're just starting on this journey or they're, they've been doing this for a while, what would it be? Yeah, I think that um, it's hard to give one piece of advice. I, I, I would say, and this is what's so great about conscious capitalism, the organization, is finding like-minded people that can really support your big dream has been hugely important for me. And then, you know, sharing openly, honestly, talking about what do you need help with, asking for help, really reaching out and sharing what you're struggling with, with people that are kind and caring and, and truly share your vision and belief for how you want to create. I, I think you know, that's probably been the most impactful thing for me, having incredible mentors, finding my people, you know, finding people. And, and you know, again, in Columbus and, and in the Midwest, um, it can be hard to be creative, to um, have a big dream, a vision. Um, it's not always easily understood. Um, but I would say, you know, in addition to finding people that can support you in, in creating your big dreams, you know, really, really learning to take care of yourself, to, to love yourself, um, I think, you know, has been um, a huge, huge uh, learning tool for me. Loving yourself and then trusting yourself with that love to create despite what maybe resistance is out there um, in society and internally, um, you, you, gotta, you gotta learn to love and trust yourself. I'm going to start taking questions from the audience. And I think that's a great setup, actually, for a question from Delinda, who's wondering if you have any impactful mentors who have helped you on your journey and and was the reason that you've mentored so many other people with this philosophy. Can, can you share a little bit more about your mentorship worth, work, what you've both received and given for these entrepreneurs and the impact you've had? Yeah, so... Absolutely, mentors have been hugely valuable in my life. Um, I've had um, just uh, people in my network in the community that have been incredible mentors on all subjects. Um, you know, there's one guy in particular who has helped me navigate schools for kids and starting my business and um, and um, selling assets and you know all kinds of miscellaneous stuff, personally, and professionally. Um, I've also worked with coaches. Uh, coach, I've had a coach um, in my life for the last 12, 13 years that's been tremendously valuable. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm a big fan of being involved in networks. Um, and networks not for the sake of who you meet, but what you can learn. Um, I am in Strategic Coach. I'm involved with Summit Series, Abundance 360, Genius Network, Conscious Capitalism. I mean, I have found um, tremendous, whether they be mentors or peers, people to share ideas with and learn from. That, that to me, is also incredibly valuable. I can point to moments in different... Every one of those um, uh, groups that have been monumentally transformative for me financially, personally, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and so, yes, I do now mentor and coach and invest and advise and you know, serve on boards um, for, for many, many people 
because I have found that to be so important for me. And one thing my mentor told me, which I, which I find to be incredibly true, when one teaches to learn. And so I'm learning just as much every day and being um, you know, a mentor to others as, as maybe you know, people are learning from me. Thank you, Brett. I want to go to a question from Ryan, who just loves the way you expressed normalize what people often internalize, which implies people may see risk involved with connecting that way professionally. How do you help companies or leaders address this risk in positive ways without allowing that risk to become stress? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... When, um, you know, I like the saying of, of don't compare your insides to someone else's outsides. And I think that when I talk about loving yourself and trusting yourself, I think you've got to really start to figure out how you can share honestly and authentically without as much worry about how it's going to be received. You know, I, I do kind of reflect back and find the kind of focus of um, looking good and being well-mannered and polite and all of these kind of like, you know, things that my, my you know, father instilled in me as, um, as, as somewhat helpful too. You know, I have learned to um, say things um, honestly, but, but kindly and, and, and nicely and directly. And so there is a bit of a, a kind of a learning curve of how do you um, get workability in what you're communicating? How do you, um, you know, actually get people to listen? But how do you speak from a place of honesty and 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 truth? And that takes some practice. And um, you know, I think the main thing is not to worry too much about getting it wrong. Um, that you can always repair. That you can always correct. But um, if you can lean on the side of being expressed, and you know what we say is truth and love, express your truth from a loving place. And if you do that as a habit, as your default, you are more likely to, you know, have a much much better experience all around. So we have a question from Adrian about investors and VCs, and. Curious how how you think investors, VCs, anyone on the capital side can apply this kind of philosophy to the work that they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is the big part of why I invest, and um, you know, becoming more and more a part of what I'm doing uh, here locally. I'm starting to work with others on funds and and um, ways to really reshape the venture capital model. I personally do not believe that the 8 out of 10 companies fail and die at your desk, you know, sleep at your desk, um, kind of historic mindset of VC. And even, you know, though a lot of VCs have realized they have to get away from that, it doesn't really look um, real good in, in, in the eyes of today's entrepreneur, um, there's still this problem, which is um, a valuation-driven, um, a capital-driven 
VC approach where you've got to get to your next hurdle so you can raise more money. And then if you raise more money, your valuation goes up and that's how we're going to get to an IPO. And even then, you know, if the one out of two do succeed, do they really succeed? You know, what's the health of the entrepreneur, the health of the organization? And, and how, are they sustainable organizations? So I think the VC model is broken. And our aim is to holistically support entrepreneurs to create from a healthy, sustainable place. And that is about making sure that they have the proper tools um, to make sure they're getting enough sleep, enough time off, to have good, healthy relationships, to be able to um, work through whatever kind of trauma they might have and ultimately creating again from a healthy sustainable place and there's a there's a lot of ways for that to be done and I won't get into kind of all the specifics now but I believe there's a way to really support entrepreneurs holistically and 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 by the way I do firmly believe firmly believe that that is the better way not just to more health and sustainability but to better bottom lines. I think you will have way more than 2 out of 10 succeeding. I think you can have a much higher success rate. And I think over time, if you measure returns, you'll see much better returns that way too. And this isn't proprietary. This is something that other VCs could adopt as well. It sounds like you're proposing just a whole new model for how VCs approach what they do. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would openly share our approach and um, hope that it gets widely adopted. I mean, I, I feel the same way about real estate. There, there's no um, kind of um, you know, intellectual property around trying to create healthy, sustainable entrepreneurs or um, physical spaces. You know, I, I have said all along, if the whole world decided they wanted to create conscious communities um, in, a, in a physical space or you know, conscious uh, capitalism, um, venture capital organizations, firms, uh, then that's great. I, I don't have, I wouldn't have anything to do. And that's, I'll find something else to do. I'm not worried about, you know, being the only one. I'm worried really about humanity and, you know, really trying to create, um, you know, a, a better uh, society and a, and a healthier, happier world. And so the more the merrier. If people share that belief, you know, um, let's let's collaborate. Let's you know support each other uh, all day. Terrific. Having is wondering if you could share a little bit more about the graduates and participants from Gravity. Do they return to the program? And what's a typical day at Gravity like as a participant? Mm. Yeah, so it, it's not um, so much a, a program as a community, and um, people can come and go, you know, as as often as they like. We have apartments that people live in, and we have office space and retail where people work and and um, you know come to do any number of things. There's a lot of content, a lot of events, a lot of programs that are open to the broader community. So it's really more of a a neighborhood that you can tap into as um, you know regularly as you like. Um, you know, it's it's not necessarily a membership. You can come to events. You can um, you know get involved in online virtual 
um, experiences. And we're just continuing to kind of build that out and, and build out our, our reach to try to connect and touch more people. Terrific. So, so that's on the gravity side of things. Um, and actually, but want to continue with real estate a bit. Theo is wondering if you could share where you see real estate development evolving in the next 10 to 20 years. What are going to be some of the key features that you think will be there, whether it's related to sustainability or healthy living or anything else? Yeah, I think you know what we've seen in the last 10 years is people understanding that experience is really critical to developing real estate, that you can't just put out boring, ugly buildings that don't have anything there other than you know a place to sleep or work. That isn't really desirable anymore. And I think that's becoming more and more true. So what you saw was kind of this race to big amenities, gyms and and you know co-working and coffee shops and whatever else, you know, became kind of the hot, trendy, amenity-driven development. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think the offerings, I hope, you know, and this is what we are focused on, uh, are becoming more and more aimed at not just having a gym, but having a place for people to improve their health. Um, not just having a community room, but having um, places for people to really connect to other human beings. And so I think what it means experientially to live, work, to develop real estate is going to become more and more important. Authenticity, human connection, adding value to someone else's life, really actually having an impact aesthetically on design, art, placemaking. All of these things, I think, become almost necessities to be successful in real estate. And, you know, I think it becomes kind of this do good and do well. We'll have more beautiful environments that are more inspiring, that are allowing people to be happier and healthier. And um, I don't know if I'm, you know, and I'm sure, you know, I'm probably in the minority with that, that belief, but I'm pretty convicted that's where we're headed. Thank you, Brett. One of our participants is uh, Alexandra is wondering if you can make give any recommendations on getting ideas to start a new business that's especially based on these principles and perhaps from your own journey, where do you get your inspiration? Or is it is it that you start a new business based on something you discovered that you're inspired by? Or do you look to transform traditional businesses into conscious ones or both? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a great question. What I have found, and this is like, Starting to become um, really apparent to me, and it, and I think it's it can be true for for a lot of people, and it and it's you know something I had heard many times, but I didn't really understand and, and wasn't able to really put into practice until um, recent years, which is that the problems that you see in your own life that that bother you that you would like to fix that you have a passion for change are really the best places to create from. And so everything that I've named to this point has been about some sort of problem that I experienced. Um, you know, for example, we started a 
a nonprofit organization that's focused on providing volunteer activities to people in the community, easily accessible web portal, push of a button, sign up, show up, volunteer without having to worry about any of the um, of the uh, logistics or you know kind of bureaucratic parts of, of volunteering. That just came from me having a hard time taking my family to a shelter to volunteer. We spent hours on the phone. There was a lot of paperwork. We couldn't get somebody to call us back. We showed up. It was disorganized. I had a friend who had a shared vision for solving this problem. We gave him some money and he is now working with you know Fortune 500 companies all over the country providing this simple service. Same thing for Innerspace. Just spent you know, decades going to crappy office spaces for therapy that made me feel worse before I ever walked in the door. They were inconvenient. They were not pretty. They were places where maybe the rent was cheap. The scheduling and the billing was clunky. And I just wanted to change the experience for, um, for, for, for me and because I knew I wasn't alone in that. You know, same thing on the real estate side, same thing on the, the roadside, greenhouse. It's all been about taking my life experience, seeing where there was opportunities to make it better, knowing that I'm not alone, that we're having this shared experience and there's got to be a, an audience for it. And then, you know, trying to come up with solutions. Right on. So we're running low on time. I think we can get one or two more questions in. And Shizuka is wondering, given your emphasis on personal well-being, what's your personal stress management strategy? How do you keep yourself centered throughout the days, weeks, and months? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've become pretty diligent about self-care. I've realized that it's it's super empowering and really... um, necessary for me to create, you know, kind of from my highest and best self. And and that includes how I show up as a father, a husband, a friend, a mentor, a coach, a family member, and a CEO. Um, and so I have all kinds of daily routine habits that include, you know, morning meditation and journaling and morning reading and breath work and saunas and exercise and therapy and coaching and time management systems so that I have time off. I I could go on and on and on. But I I think what's important is I've developed routine to prioritize myself in my day, in my work, in my life. And having the energy, the charge the car first and then drive has really been uh, hugely valuable and important for me in um, you know finding my own happiness you know and peace and 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 joy. But I will say you know if I had to pick one thing, uh, I've been um, practicing transcendental meditation since I was twenty three years old, so for decades now, and uh, that has um, probably consistently been the one that's uh, been most beneficial for me. Brett, right at time, I want to respect your time and say thank you so much for sharing all of this with the Conscious Capitalism community and thank you for everything that you're doing to elevate humanity through business. Is there anything else that you want to share before we leave? 
No, just thank you. I um, really, really appreciate the opportunity to be here, to be with this audience of people that I believe is really focused on the same vision, that there is this shared belief about how we can create consciously and the importance of conscious capitalism. I, I firmly believe that creating healthy, sustainable capital to reinvest back into the system um, for me to be able to have made money and done it in a way that people feel uh, inspired by allows me to reinvest that, the capital and the learning and the experience into others. And there's a real multiplier effect. And so um, I'm just really grateful to have a chance to be here and um, super grateful for conscious capitalism as an organization and really believe it's uh, an important part generationally of uh, making the change that we want to see in the world. Really, Brett, again, thank you. And I want to say thank you to everyone who joined us today or is listening to this webinar. If you can take a minute and fill out the survey that Michaela has shared in the chat, we'd love to get your feedback on how we can keep improving these webinars going forward and provide more inspirational stories and insights like what you heard from Brett today. I hope to see everyone back here next week on August 31st for a conversation between Kimberly Manns from Head, Heart, and Hands with Susie Sosa from Verb, talking about elevating humanity through the business of belonging. And until then, just want to thank you all for the work that you're doing to build the conscious capitalism movement and elevate humanity for business. Thanks for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and follow me on Instagram at Brett Kaufman on Twitter at bkaufman125 and subscribe to our YouTube channel by searching for The Gravity Podcast with Brett Kaufman. And please send me a DM with any guests or topics that you'd like to hear on future episodes.